It's like, what, uh, what is the, there must be a law that says eventually it's gonna work, right? That's, Mur- that's Murphy's law, right? Anything well, that can happen will happen. I thought it was, is Murphy's wrong not, uh, law specifically not related to bad things happening? Because that is how I always hear it referred to. I was uh, like, if something act- can go wrong, it absolutely definitely will go wrong. No, I mean, that, but it's, it's a statistical thing, is that if it can go wrong, eventually it will go wrong. I mean, it so in this wrong. situation, it, if it, it, it can go did. right, eventually it will go right. If you try enough times, something works. No, you're right. Murphy's Law is very nihilistic. <laughs> yeah, it's usually, I've always just heard it referred to in in very negative terms. That it's like, you know, the sun may shine for a while, but eventually <laughs> the tornado gonna come. And that, that is truly my approach to life, you know? Sure, sure. As a Midwesterner, that, that's, a, that's a, just a fact of life. Yeah, as a Midwesterner, you really be you develop a dangerous apathy to tornadoes. We're you just de- a <laughs> we're just a handful of corn-fed good old Midwestern boys. That's right. On a very Midwestern musical theater podcast, uh, right. specifically a Springfield, Missourian uh, centric uh, 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 musical theater podcast. You're but right you right. you when you grow up in the Midwest, you're like, oh, another tornado siren. Uh, the tornado warning. It's like making me get out of bed and go down to the basement. How like, seriously I don't do I want to take the... this right now? <laughs> like, do I? Okay, is this like a tornado's never hit me before? <laughs> what are the odds that it's gonna be this time? I mean, I I do know people who literally lost their entire homes due to tornadoes. You'd think that well. would raise the severity for it to me, but. I look at it, a, a warning, seek shelter now alert on my phone, and I'm half tempted just to ignore it. And I'm like, oh, you know, but like, uh, this episode of The Good Place is like really good, <laughs> and is good that show. worth, right. like, oh, uh, what, what, what is my over-under here on mm. <laughs> this tornado, this actually being the time? I really want to continue watching Ted Danson and Kristen Bell do their thing right now. Their antics thing. are worth <laughs> the risk of me being uh, whipped up Dorothy style into a, into a dust tornado. Right. Yeah. And that is uh, the, the sentiment on a podcast. <laughs> the podcast Hi, we're recording is, in the midst of a tornado right up right now. That's I at. mean, we might as well be, I yeah. feel you're in the, you both are in, are in Springfield, Missouri. So like, it could be tornado time. You I, don't know. Yeah. That that feels very insensitive. Although that was that was Joplin specifically that was horribly wrecked by a tornado, but I do feel that's the most like harried and offensive I'm going to get as a comedian <laughs> taking it to the the tornado alley really strong. So, yeah, it's never done anything to hurt you. The tornadoes? No, they yeah. haven't. <laughs> Which <laughs> feels like I'm overdue. Like I've been dodging Final Destination style tornadoes for my entire life, yeah. oh, and God, then is this one a day type situation. That's why, these I, That's why he moved to New York to get eliminate the possibility completely. Do not. Yeah. Do not. He's spit in the eye of tornado too long. 
We don't have tornadoes. We have wet tornadoes. We right. we have every few years a big wet tornado comes through and really wrecks house. Sure. Um, and then like five years later, they're still fixing the subway, and you're like, Jesus Christ! You're fixing the subway now from that one episode of How I Met Your Mother, like. The- <laughs> The big storm in that one episode of How I Met Your Mother? You are, in 2019, still fixing it? Now, now, Kevin, now, you'll clarify something for me. Is it true that all New Yorkers, their their basic cultural touchstone is judged by episodes of How I Met Your Mother? I mean, that is the only point of reference that I have. Sure. Um, Every, you know, there are the different ages of New York. You right. know, there's the the Seinfeld era New Yorkers, the right. Sex in the City era New Yorkers, and oh, I think right now we are in the How I Met Your Mother generation, or mystifyingly somehow still the Friends generation. Oh Lord! I yeah. think we... the Friends generation has a break. Like there is a How I Met Your Mother sized break in Friends, but it was yes. all the way up to it and directly after it. Yeah, everything, there is a, How I Met Your Mother is the peak on a mountain, Mm -hmm. and down the slope in every direction (laughs) are ten seasons of friends that eventually you, you know, if you go far, far, far enough down, you hit, like, reruns of Mad About You or The Fresh Prince, and you're like, ah, I went too far, I went in the wrong direction. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, I'm all these friends, and there's just all up and down the slopes. There's just dead white girls climbing the Friends Summit when they were unprepared. You know, there's that girl who got fired for watching ten seasons of Friends on the clock. There's there's all of these people. And then there is a rival mountain of office reruns. Oh, yes. Yes. But that's one of those mountains that's full of, like, uh, trash. It's one of those mountains. It's a garbage dump, yes. It's a big garbage dump where all the office fans live, and then, oops, if you peel back the layers on the Friends Mountain, it's an even stinkier garbage dump. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh You've my god. Trash Island. Well, here's Trash Mountain, and it's 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 just reruns on Netflix. Oh god, that's all they are. Floating in the middle of the Pacific is a giant trash island of of friends reruns, and there where where we all might find purchase. I'm going crazy. To jump on my Three's Company barge and sail back to <laughs> to, to the good place island. Where oh, yeah, I'm is anyone here? The starship, get us out of here, please. That's right. Uh, anyone want to be on my uh, Cheers train? Ooh. Uh, my Snowpiercer-style Cheers train <laughs> oh that never God, stops? Yes. It's creepy. Everyone immediately knows your name. <laughs> like, you step onto the train and they're like, Hello, Michael. <laughs> Jeffrey. And then, and then Captain America comes up to you, right. weeping, telling you that he knows that babies are the best-tasting kind of people. Yes. Oh, did Tilda everyone Swinton's see Snowpiercer? Somewhere. I haven't seen Snowpiercer. <laughs> I just know Tilda Swinton and uh, uh, Captain America's on it. Tilda Swinton is on it. She's yep. wearing false teeth because I'm not convinced that Tilda Swinton has teeth. <laughs> um, that's I'm my new theory. Certain Tilda Swinton isn't actually a lizard person. I don't think we know what she actually looks like. 
I think that Tilda Swinton, at the end of a day, goes home and, like, slowly American Psycho style, like, peels off these layers. Right. And she has a completely different face under there. Yes. Tilda Swinton is a character mm-hmm. being portrayed by this this anonymous woman that we will never know. And, and in this scene of her peeling off all the layers, the end result is, is she's just basked in shadow, so you will never know her face. Yeah, we 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 she shot from behind the entire right. time. Right. Um is she, so is she so just another never... person. Is she an eldritch horror? You never know. Is she Claw from the Inspector Gadget cartoons? We right. can't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> what a plot twist if she was Claw from the Inspector Gadget cartoons. That's so, all I'm saying and the this shadowy mysterious <laughs> never seen figure. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, and this is Podcats, the pod about cats. <laughs> I am your host, TV's Kevin Lanigan. Welcome ten minutes into the episode, <laughs> where I, for the for the third time, we're we're trying to make this episode stick. This is a little peek behind the curtain. Oh, what's that? It's the great and powerful Oz, and he's uh, made of technical difficulties. <laughs> he's he's a bunch made of, of technical TVs. Difficulties in poor scheduling. He's a land party of TVs. Yes. Uh, so for the third time, I have invited. Uh, my friends, uh, Ryan Saunders and Hello. Brian Lanigan onto the show. And we are eventually going to talk about the Missouri State University production of Cats that they saw, like, three several, weeks ago. Several months ago, yes. What, what, it was like, it was the end of October, like, right? Uh, I think, <laughs> I think so. it's in my, and, and, uh, yeah. oh god, like, the tw- Oh, it was like the 14th or something? I don't know. No, that's Columbus Day. Oh, it was It It wasn't as long ago. It wasn't that. I mean, it was three weeks ago. (laughs) It was three weeks ago, and by the time this episode comes out, we're looking at four or five weeks. (laughs) They're already introduction for their next play. Uh, Right. They're about to put on Fiddler or whatever, and we're we're still talking about cats. Yeah, yeah, everyone, go support <laughs> local theater. Go check them out. It's a really good show. But I can tell you. Yes. Um, if you uh, hate this episode and you're like, it feels like these guys have already talked enough about this subject, uh, that is, uh, you can blame Skype, the program. Um, listen, I understand that Skype Every is free. Every joke feels hollow and derivative. It's like they're repeating the same talking points. They keep referring to these earlier chapters that... We will never see. Uh, you can blame a Skype free audio program. Again, you get what you pay for, but I have never seen an app completely fail to function in the way it was designed, quite like the way that Skype behaved for our first recording. But hey, here we but, are. We're out here. Yes. We, it, it, we want it. You know, we have the gumption. We have the chutzpah. We're... Well, I don't know what just happened there. We are here for this i think we're gonna make it work i think i think the people are gonna hear this episode i think that uh if, if to paraphrase the name of a business that brian's and my mom owned for a long time <laughs> uh third time's the charm ah yes the saying <laughs> the actual uh, saying. Yes. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, yeah. Uh, our, our mother, of course, famously owned a retail store called Second Times the Charm uh, for used uh, clothes and and uh, DVDs, etc. That is where yeah, I got I my DVD copy of Pan's pieces. Labyrinth. Ooh. That's, yes. a good, that's a good get. It was a good get, a good cheap. That was like three bucks for a DVD copy of Pan's Labyrinth at a time where I would have had to wait like eight more years for all DVDs to be three dollars. <laughs> yeah. When you can just walk into your local Walmarts and they are just trying to get rid of all of their backlogs. So you're like, oh, three dollars for Star Trek Into baskets. Darkness? <laughs> yeah. Except for Ghibli and Disney movies. Yeah, which will still twenty five dollars, <laughs> still twenty five dollars, a price that will never be raised or lowered. No, they have the staying power of a Pokemon game. They will, they will be forever that price. Uh, speaking of uh, Pokemon games, you you guys see those grown men shitting their pants on the internet about Pokemon? Oh God, yes. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait to thoroughly enjoy the game because everything they're mad about is like oh they made leveling easier so i don't have to grind so much and you can you can like switch into the box while you're on the route and i'm like wow they just cut nine hours of horse shit off of my playthrough on this game and i'm so excited for it wow they made this an easy fun game to play what a what a travesty it's almost no 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 it's almost as if this game is still primarily targeted towards children who want to be able to play this game and enjoy it and also adults can enjoy it too but you're kidding yourself if you're not realizing the fact that this isn't no dark souls this is this is for the kiddos and the adults alike this is fucking pokemon (laughs) (laughs) this is god it's a kids monster game it's a monster game for babies And you should only play it as a grown-up if it brings you joy. There are are criticisms to be made, but at this point, and I feel the same way about superhero comics, everybody, Mm -hmm. if this this product for children is making you so angry that you are making, you know, four-hour YouTube videos, uh, making impossibly deep uh, PNGs, where, like, you have to scroll through a PNG file, uh, maybe do something else? Go walk around with Norman Reedus and Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. With the brain and the ghosts and the people. There are people that have compiled the literal, like, polygon frames that the pokemon are built on and they're upset that they're the same frames that they used in pokemon go as as like they expected the whole whole game to be built from scratch even though they even though they made a game explicitly for children like pokemon go not pokemon go pokemon let's go sorry from e you know pikachu and eevee a game where pikachu and you know or eevee sits on your character's shoulder to say, look at how cute this dumb monster is. They're upset that they used, they reused assets from that game that came out eight months ago. Hey, fellas. And it is, uh, fellas. Uh, hey guys. There's a lot of Pokemon. And, like, you can't redraw them every time. There are just so just cop- many. 
there's so many Pokemon. There's literally like a thousand Pokemon at this point. And also, like, you want them to make them look di- Pikachu looks the same. Fucking Pikachu didn't change chill. between games. <laughs> yeah. He still looks like fucking Pikachu. The that games came out. How long ago was Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee? How long ago did that come out? I feel like six it, months it, ago. At, I think it's longer than that, but at most okay. a year. Do people not like, realize how long it takes games to be developed? Like, the, and, the, and that's that's their gripe is they're like, you should have spent longer on this. You should have like all these stupid things. And it's it it's hey we've said it already, but I'm gonna cue you in. It Pokemon game. It's <laughs> this is not meant to be art. Like, there are games that can, like, kind of push into the thing of, like, oh, this game is almost art. Or sure. it is art. Depending on your I mean, there are other games for like the that. Switch that are like that. I mean, like, a lot of people are really blown away by Breath of the Wild, like, myself included. Like, that game is really a beautiful experience that I think it's is very artfully made. That the, that the same people who are upset about Pokemon complained about um, right. incessantly because it wasn't a traditional Zelda game. Uh, and now they're mad at this Pokemon game because it's too traditional of a Pokemon game. So uh, the moral of the story is you can't make assholes happy because sometimes they're just assholes. Sure. That's just and how it is. You shouldn't try. No. You can't <laughs> please them, so don't. Yep. Just make the thing as it was meant to be made because they will... If, if fucking Star Wars has taught us anything it's that they will never be happy with anything you do so just do whatever you want people that make pokemon and star wars do whatever you want these fuckers should be happy that you don't have to like pay for individual pokemon to be unlocked or get loot boxes or other like (laughs) transactions exclamation an exclamation point popping up over your head and then you have to roll you have to rng your way to that pikachu how livid everyone would be just like count your blessings that the internet didn't burn down because of something like that because that might be the only thing that could end the internet before you can go to before you can evolve this pikachu you have to spend 4.99 on pokey crystals <laughs> that you buy through the <laughs> pokey store now, yeah, the Pokey Crystals are different than the Pokey Gems. They right, give yes. you Pokey Gems in the game. The Pokey Crystals can only be bought. Right. And the Pokey Coins you get through special events that sell you Pokey Crystals. But the Pokey Crystals can only net you a certain amount of Pokey Coins. That's right. And but you... Wait, and... <laughs> Hold on. There's I also think curry I might just... in this game. Wait, there's curry in this game. And I'm going to get us back on track. Do you know who loves curry? <laughs> It's why it's Bustopher Jones, it's the cat Jones. of the, of the, uh, the, he's a big fat cat. We all remember he's Andrew Lloyd Webber in cat form. We all know my segue was going to be that uh, to talk about uh, a pure non-ironic love of something. Yes. And, and that is what continually um, it brings me back to cats and, and paints this whole experience in a good light. Whereas, I'm just going to say it right now. If you're going to this Cats movie, ironically, get the fuck out of my house. You <laughs> this leave. movie isn't meant for you. <laughs> this is not for you. <laughs> this is not your movie. 
you are going to Cats in theaters December 20th to share in a unique, strange, oddly, unashamed-of-itself experience that we we can all take joy in together. Yes. Like the two of you did when you saw Missouri State University's production of Cats. Now, I have to ask the both of you, what is your history, if any, with the Broadway musical Cats? Brian, I'll let uh, you go ahead and take this away. Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Um, my history of the Broadway show Cats is this podcast before <laughs> seeing it. <laughs> and my history with the Broadway musical Cats is Brian. <laughs> so thank you kevin for getting us onto cats i had no idea that when brian invited me to watch cats that i would soon be on a podcast uh well i'd be on a podcast and then another podcast talking about cats uh but here we are and i didn't understand any of it but I loved all of it. That is, I think, the proper viewing of Cats. I think that an intellectual understanding of it is secondary yes. to an emotional understanding of it. About so, so about halfway through the first act, I, I realized that I'm spending way too much time and energy trying to figure it out. And after a certain point, I just kind of suspended my need to to figure it out and wrap my head around it and i just enjoyed the spectacle and good lord there was a lot of spectacle i mean just particularly with the msu production that brian and i saw they fucking nailed it out of the they what hit it out of the park there we go i was about to mix my metaphors they absolutely killed it i i loved it what did you what were you thinking about given your your more familiar understanding of cats brian uh by by more familiar you mean extremely limited but above zero <laughs> like a non-zero right. familiarity um so, so i at, at least at a bare bones level understood most of what was to come and what if i didn't know i could look at like what the song set was and say oh this character's coming up so i can expect like, I had a vague idea of who the characters were and how, how this is uh, essentially a weird onstage audition process for reincarnation. Um, or maybe. <laughs> that's, like, you know, <laughs> that's kind of what's intended, I guess. That's my um, best So guess. I, had a decent, I had a decent idea of what the structure of the show was going to be, but I hadn't ever listened to the soundtrack for this or anything. So... Um, Largely, what I could compliment them on is they had, like, certain, you know, certain points in the show I thought, that's exactly what I wanted, is, like, that, you know, the, you know, um, Rum Tum Tugger had a ton of swagger when he was on the stage. Ooh, ooh um, he was you know, just Isabella, pure Isabella sexual energy. Sing. There, was, there was some heart. things where I was, like, they just really, they really nailed the, my expectation of what I wanted to see. Um, which, you know, wasn't by me saying, oh, I saw this other show and I want it to be like that. It was just like, I know Rum Tum Tugger is this kind of back and forth, all in himself, 
um, does what he wants character, and you know they they managed to portray that, and I was pleased by that aspect of it. So so, and we will we will dive more deeply into this particular production of Cats. Um, so uh, are you? Are either of you musical theater people, theater people in general? Do you have a grand history with the stage? I was friends with theater kids in high school. I went to Missouri Fine Arts Academy for visual art, but I befriended a whole bunch of theater folks, uh, namely you, Kevin Lanigan. Um, Oh, hi. But really, my understanding of musicals is limited to like ham uh, hamilton and like rent ham and ham lit ham hamlet what's you his know, name hamburger helper <laughs> Alex now that hamilton. is a musical i want to see i so cats is uh is is one of those the first musical i've seen in in many years i hate to admit uh but now it's kind of giving me the the musical theater bug. It's been great. Oh. I kind of I kind of want to dive back into my former high school love of musical theater. Yeah, and then I've you know I've I've heard of uh, several good venues in Springfield that you might be able to to scope out. Uh, uh, in are your, they better in your than the hot sweaty mess that is Ten Theater? Uh, no. Ah, yes, we got back around to Tent Theater, a favorite topic of conversation on this show. Uh, for the uninitiated, uh, we dive into it in the Jessica Morgan episode as well. But, uh, for anyone, for the uninitiated, uh, Tent Theater happens every summer on the campus of Missouri State University, uh, and is what it sounds like. It's, uh, four to six, uh, outdoor theatrical productions, some of them plays and some of them full-on musicals uh this of course happens in a big tent in the middle of the summer (laughs) outside uh and and is just as sweaty and Mm -hmm. uncomfortable as you might imagine they they don't turn on the air conditioning because you gotta hear what's going on you wanna you wanna hear the play so uh you know a lot of people using their playbills as fans Lot of lot of lot of fan work. Uh, they do serve uh, Ted Drews uh, 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 frozen uh, treats uh, during intermission. Although you have to pay for those, but yes, they have these these like four whirling fans, uh, and then they shut them off for two or so hours. Yes. Uh, at which point you do get to experience twenty fifth annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, uh, but mostly you just get to sweat through twenty fifth annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Right. I made the mistake of really putting on putting on the Ritz, as they say, whenever I saw my last production, which was the which was Putnam Spelling Bee. I wore like a nice jacket and some slacks and a nice shirt, and I just I just sweat through all of it by the end. I was afraid of taking off my jacket so the world would see all of my sweat stains. It was it was a good time. Uh, Brian, what about your your musical theater history? Um, my silence is indicative of <laughs> what my musical theater history is. I went and saw uh, a couple put on at in high school. Uh, Warrenton High School, Warren- and it's a, a famous theater department. Thespian Troop 4166, shout out. Yeah, so I think I saw, I saw The Wizard of Oz. 
um, and Romeo and Juliet once, and maybe a couple <laughs> others. But um, let's let's just let's just call it. Let's just round down to zero. Let's let's just go ahead, uh, not count any of what I have, and we're just gonna go ahead and round down and say that Cats was the first play I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, your first theatrical experience the lights go down uh for for the first time not in a uh, cafeteria slash theater in a straight up theater <laughs> and uh and you wow so missouri state university take a bow you were this young man's first theatrical experience what is this what is this live movie i'm seeing oh whoa, there's real people up here that's fun what kind of projectors are they using? <laughs> it's so 3D. Is that I'm not even pop? wearing my glasses. <laughs> Why can't I bring him a popcorn? The train is coming out at me. Oh my god. There was okay. a train. So that <laughs> Yes, in, in there was a tra- oh, oh, right, for Skimble Shanks the Skimble railway Shanks. cat. Yes. And you know what? That train fucking ran on time. <laughs> well, Skimble Shanks was on the line. Ship. Yeah, no, no toe out of line in Skimbleshank ship. Since you brought up uh, one of my favorite small topics of conversation, we're going to sidebar here for a little bit. Uh, Ryan was, of course, referring to the famous story wherein uh, a, 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 an audience in the early 1900s was shown footage of a train arriving at a station. Like, probably the first bit of motion that these people, a motion projection that these people had ever seen, right? And the legend goes that they were terrified. They ran scrambling, they dove under their chairs, you know, they were petrified that a train was about to hit them. I am not so fucking sure that that is what actually happened. <laughs> I am color me the intelligence of the audience. Yeah, color me not fucking convinced that a bunch of adults I they're adults. They're not cavemen. Like, yeah, they've never seen a movie before, but one has enough. What? A, they were sat down knowing that they were about to see a motion picture. They knew that they weren't surprised by the train. They weren't Wiley Coyote and they painted the train tunnel and then were hit by a train. Like, that. They could, they, see the, they could see the whole building. They knew a train could fit in the other side of the building, surely. They. Yeah, they, they knew they weren't at a train. They know that trains live on tracks. They can't just Surely. run fucking wild through movie theaters. Uh, they they didn't hear a train because very specifically movies did not have sound. Oh yeah, they had, the, j- they had the piano player. Also, it was in black and fucking white. <laughs> And these people know that life is in living color. Living technicolor. I'm just saying, maybe it didn't go down that way. I'm I'm gonna have to call some bullshit on that as well. I, you've convinced me. Like, maybe the Lumiere Brothers PR team was like, oh yeah, people were running from the theater. They thought it was so real. This stuttery, grainy, black and white footage of a train. It was so lifelike. Like, maybe we've been eating the fucking marketing department gruel for a century, and it's time we put our spoons down. (laughs) 
guess what? Napoleon was tall. Like, so it's all a lie. He was like a normal height person. He was, he, he, I think was, he was like five foot nine or something, which is like a totally was, reasonable height for a person. And back then, he was a giant among men. Yeah, like, <laughs> everyone was five Every dude was five foot six, and he was on a horse, and he was the short one, apparently. Gets a yeah. whole, you know, psychological condition named after him. You're being lied to. God, but though. not by Katz. Katz is being honest with you. Uh, Katz tells you Katz full of... Katz is to you by not telling you anything you can actually understand. No. It's and better than I... Right. Yeah. I, I think uh, most audience members of Cats, I think walk people without a pre-written understanding of Cats, walk into it and and look at it as a puzzle to be solved. But the, the, the problem is there isn't a puzzle to be solved. It, it is as simple as a narrative can possibly be. Because there isn't one. <laughs> don't overthink it. it is, you are... You're, it's like watching Man with a Movie Camera or Koi on a Skatsi, uh, which are non-narrative films, and trying to be like, okay, like, what is the story being told? What's Nothing. The there subtext? isn't one. Yeah, there, there, there is no subtext. It's what's all the, text, baby. What's the meta-narrative? Well, there isn't a narrative, so... People, they're trying to figure out an overarching plot. They're trying to figure out a grand mythology. No. Stop. I think I probably have been the most guilty of this because I'm going to out myself right now. In our last recording of this, I had this grand realization that Cats was, in fact, not meant for humans at all, but purely just for cats. (laughs) I, I promised myself I wouldn't get back to it, but I feel like it's still pertinent. Um, I got I mad think... at Ryan Saunders at a bar and yelled at him about this point, like last week. <laughs> Berated <laughs> me in public because I because I said this, and you know what? I think I deserved it because I was putting too much meaning into this play. That's just fun people dancing around in leotards. Yeah, okay, so uh, remind me, and of course the audience, of this point. Your your grand theory sure. is that Cats is entertainment for Cats, yes. and that we as people are not supposed to understand it, in the same way that, like, when you watch TV for babies and it's just yes. colors and sounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's, not, you, it's not meant for you. It's not written for you. It's it's written through the eyes and sensibilities of cats. I and like the only allowance that cats gives is giving you Monkstrap, the the like the advocate for humans because he's the one that kind of breaks down what a jellical cat is for all the audience members. But and then the rest of the cats are like, you don't know who a jellical cat is. Um, because it's they're they're scoffing at all the humans that aren't paying attention. Because ultimately, this is this is meant for cats. Cat, take a cat to this show; they will understand every word of it. Because it's it's just it's a cultural <laughs> touchstone. Now, this is me also saying, I fully admit how fucking dog shit all that sounds. <laughs> it, I I, it, I I deserve the berating that Brian gave me at a bar that one time. 
I fully deserve it. Uno. But we paused Uno, was... the most violent of games, for me to yell yes. at Ryan Saunders about cats. <laughs> In front of our friends who had no idea what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now, just point them in the link to this and make sure that they uh, subscribe and leave a five-star review. But just point them to this episode and they'll finally have context for that argument. Sure, sure. (laughs) Now, one thing I will say, with no context, just to fuck with the audience, is that, um... Is that McCavity did nothing wrong. Dot net. (laughs) Okay. So, right. So what... Uh, for everyone that would have maybe missed our our lost episodes in podcasts, <laughs> episode that didn't end up getting recorded, sure. Uh huh. That didn't. Okay, we all pressed record. Skype, Skype was the one that forgot to Skype roll stole tape it from us because they didn't want everyone to hear the truth. It was they too did good not for want... your ears. Yeah, they did not want the truth to get out. So so Ryan developed, again, another theory that McCavity, who, of course, in the only bit of plot in this show, right. kidnaps Old Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan, of course, staged this grand claim sure. that McCavity did nothing wrong, that he was a, a, a freedom fighter, a truth teller, yes. and, uh, of course, purchased uh, McCavityDidNothingWrong.net. It is important to note that when he purchased it he spelled McCavity wrong <laughs> oh, God. at least twice <laughs> and and has purchased multiple versions of this website with alternate spellings <laughs> I I currently in my in my ownership have three versions of McCavity did nothing wrong.net <laughs> so if you go to McCavity did nothing wrong.net McAvity did nothing wrong.net and of course the correct McAvity did nothing wrong.net <laughs> they will redirect you <laughs> to the website for this podcast and thank you for your noble contribution to the art form does this mean i don't have to be a patron <laughs> since i've spent all uh, this- I mean, you didn't have to anyway. I'm sorry that you were under the impression that you were forced to be. I uh, I uh, not I'm I just I I am a patron. I support this program. I um am mortified. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I got a little too trigger happy with the with the domain registration. We've all been there. One of us threw away their playbill, and then that same person also proceeded to buy three domains <laughs> and misspell McCavity. <laughs> we won't say who. We won't say who, but one of us has their playbill in front of them, and the other one owns three domains with the name McCavity in it somewhere, misspelled twice. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all commit to things in different ways. <laughs> We all, um, you know, uh, live our lives according to no one else's rule book but our own. Some of us are mavericks in that way. Sure. And much, that's much okay. Like a rum tum tugger. He does not appear to live by any kind of rule or code. He purely lives and abides by rum tum tugger. And I think I, I, Hazel emphatically agrees to that. Now, I would say you are even more free than Rumtum Tugger, because Rumtum Tugger lives his life in 
by a code, that code is simply he wants the opposite of what you give him. That's true. Yeah. So, so he is just as beholden to societal norms as those that go with the flow because he is committed to going opposite of the flow. Rumtum Tugger actually believes nothing. He 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 has no system of belief. His God belief is being counter like so many uh hipsters or punks like him. Is he just they, the ultimate nihilist? He's the ultimate uh hipster that will only listen to a Spotify playlist of the least played tracks on Spotify. Sure. Not because he enjoys them, but mm -hmm. because they're not popular. That's who Rum Tum Tugger is as a man. As a cat. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh man! And I, I now, I've never thought about this until now. I believe this as strongly as I believe in anything. I'm shaken. I'm, I'm truly. This is, I, I feel like this is a major revelation that I, re, I, I need some time to re, reconsider and reevaluate. This really adds some depth to the show. I didn't know there was. <laughs> See, right. this is, no, we're we're doing it again. We're at, we're trying to add any kind of meaning to this show when really there is none to oh, be had. No, 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 you can't, he's not adding meaning to the show. He's adding meaning to a character. And okay. that's that's all that this show is, is an amalgamation of these characters that happen to exist in the same place at the same time. There isn't, there isn't really that much to connect them, but if this show is one thing, like the Rum Tum Tugger song is a song of exposition about this cat. And if you don't give any meaning to that cat, then that song means nothing. And then it, it loses its power. So you have to give meaning to Rum Tum Tugger. Him singing about these things, the reason he does the things he does, that has meaning, and you can't take that away from him. God damn. I am, I am merely, I am interpreting the text. I am not taking anything that is not already in the text. You know, it, it's that one semester I was an English major, and I had to, like, write, you know, this long paper about Madame Bovary. You know, I, I had to take the things she said and did and turn them into a complete character profile, which I think I've now done with the Rum Tum Tucker, the curious cat. Put me in a flat. I'd rather be in a house. Put me in a house. I'd rather be in a flat. You know, if he want, if you give him milk, he wants cream. Sure. And it's like, dude, this is not a personality. Not liking things is not a personality. You know, Rum Tum Tugger, I think, if he were a man, would be tweeting at Game Freak furiously about the new Pokemon <laughs> oh, game. Oh, God, he would hate the new Pokemon game. But, but at the same time, if Game Freak gave him the full Pokedex and gave him the ability to turn off the XP share and all these things people are complaining about, he would say that the game has too much in it and he needed it to be simplified down. It is explicitly about having to be contrarian. That's right. It, 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 Rum Tum Tugger is the, the facsimile yeah. of these, these quote-unquote fan communities that when ah oh god i remember the halcyon days of yore when being a fan was about liking something uh <laughs> why when it was about living up to the word fan uh not that you can't question things it's just that well you fans don't seem to like anything anymore <laughs> and we've barely talked about the missouri state university production <laughs> cats, and we are at minute 45 so 
let's let's do in the interest of not making this the longest podcast episode of all time. I will let's hone back in a little bit. Uh, I warned you, audience. We've already talked about this at length, and so our our desire to dive back in in a new exploratory context is mm, mild. Um, but the Missouri State University production of Cats. Walk me through a stage picture. What do, do you do? You remember three weeks ago when you saw Cats? What the what what images graced your 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 mind? I okay. So this is my first real experience with any kind of production of Cats. I hadn't even seen like the those like recordings from the Broadway or the the, the classic recordings that you know you can find online. Nothing. So I watched it. And I was just, I was immediately struck with just the simplicity of the actual set. Like it was, it was just like a, um, kind of like a, a ramshackle back alley area with some like scaffolding in some like trash cans, but mostly just kind of like blocks that the dancers in like the, 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 the various cast members cats would just sit on, dance on, roll around on, occasionally tossing some um, props and whatnot. But yeah, it was, I was really impressed with just how bare bones it was, yet just like how incredibly entertaining the whole show was. Yeah, I think it was, was largely like, fueled by a backdrop. Um, most yeah. of the actual structure of the set was um, a couple barrels, some crates on the ground, and then, mm -hmm. like Ryan said, some kind of, you know, scaffolding made from, you know, wood that you could just buy at any hardware store, you know, something that I know people worked hard on it, but get given enough time I could have made, I'm sure they did it much faster and much safer than I could have done it, but something that looked like it was, it was fairly bare bones. It was, you know, these planks of wood. I know that it's like cats is technically set in a dump, I believe, or like a, you know, somewhere where trash accumulates and they, they went more for a back alley feel. Um, you know, which I know we see glimpses of in the trailer for the movie coming up. You get these alleys and everything. It's going to be much more expensive, but they keep it very simple. Uh, and it was very much like this is a place to elevate whatever cat is singing right now. And that's really what it boiled down to is like, let's make the cat that's important right now higher Stand than up. the other cats. Right. <laughs> a literal hierarchy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, old Deuteronomy We're talking about old Deuteronomy elevated. now, so he's going to yes. be at old least three feet taller than everyone else. Yes, old Deuteronomy was elevated for ninety percent of their time on stage. They were just above the other cats for almost the entirety of it. Gotta say, that's a pretty effective, if uncommon, stage picture, um, where naturally you would be drawn to the highest thing on the stage, um, but you don't see that in a lot of productions of like the mouse trap or anything like that arsenic and old lace doesn't use that same literal hierarchy but i think you know there, that's a that's an interesting stage idea in the odd couple like whoever's the more dominant in that scene at that moment should take a place on a big block <laughs> right they need to obi-wan it and have the high ground at which point Oscar cannot overtake Felix because Felix has the high ground. <laughs> I loved you. You were like a son to me. You were the chosen one. You were supposed to bring balance to this apartment, not destroy <laughs> it. Not not bring a big tape line down the middle of it. You underestimate my power. That's 
Oh man, I'm sorry. I'm speaking it in par in 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 terms that I could understand as a dweeb. Right. Uh, whereas I, a different kind of dweeb, know the two <laughs> characters from the Odd Couple off the top of my head. <laughs> Didn't need to Google that they are Oscar and Felix. And that Felix's full name is Felix Ungar. Like, I didn't need to look that up. Right. That's just in there. And I. What is my address? <laughs> what is the address of the building I work at? God only knows. What is the full name of the Nebishi character with allergies from The Odd Couple? Felix Ungar. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Brian, what did you think of the Missouri State University production of Cats? Um, I think that being a, you know, not profoundly large, but, you know, significantly sized university, um, I think that they did, they did a good job of kind of balancing the, like, they didn't go too much into it. They kept the costumes fairly simple. They were, you know, colored leotard with matching color, like fur trim for the most part. And then tails, um, which were, you know hastily fastened um we'll say uh <laughs> and I, I think what they did they balanced well is they're like they didn't try and go too upscale with it they were like this show is ultimately about I, it's ultimately about the dancing um you lose almost the entirety of cats if you aren't watching it being performed um mm -hmm. so what they really did is they just said let's make sure that it looks good so they were like, the costumes, whatever, everyone's 20 plus feet away from us regardless. So make it look presentable. But it was sure. like, it was the showmanship of the whole show. And I think that that's what they, that's what they focused on. And I think that presented really well where they said they didn't get too fancy with it. The cat that was important was either was clearly visible at all times. The right. costumes were effective and the dancing they did pretty darn well for not all of them being trained dancers. It, it was Holy a combo shit. of like, it was a combo of theater and dance like students so some of them were, were obviously going to be superior dancers some of them superior um actors and some of them singers but they had they filled their positions well where the people who needed to dance could dance people who needed to sing could sing grizabella was in heels but she had a knockout voice so who cares if she wasn't dancing so you know they filled their roles well and they for being a i have no clue what the size of the department is or whatever but they they did with they did really well with what they had um, regardless the of what the resources were, was absolutely incredible. That was the, that's that's one thing I really really am am thinking back on again and again whenever I consider the show that was nearly a month ago was just how incredible the choreography was. And it, choreography unbelievably important to a production of Cats because there's not yes. deep, intense character moments to keep you interested if if the literal visuals of what you're seeing are not incredible, it's going to bore you to tears. It's <laughs> it's going to to lull you into a gentle sleep. Um, and so, props to the Missouri uh, State University Theater Department. For pulling that out any standouts from the cast anyone that you want to give the big ups to yes and i have held on to this playbill through three attempted recordings <laughs> to make sure to make sure they get their due if they happen to listen to this somehow um so andrew mcgown as rum tum tugger um i think he really captured the role he oh. had 
a lot of bravado, and you just oh, gotta give it to man. him. Uh, he was especially just... for being a character that was on stage pretty much the entire time, uh, where he had to keep running around constantly. Did a great job. Um, Neil Cathro as Mungo Jerry and Skimble Shanks. Uh, the notable oh. thing, despite you know, aside from being two of my, you know, two of the more not necessarily interesting, but more like kind of upbeat. Um, covered two roles in the show. Skimbleshanks has one of the best songs I enjoy. Um, Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser as well. Um, both of those fun little songs. Um, but he had uh, technical issues. Like he, his his microphone wasn't going well. Um, mm-hmm. So he was just like projecting out over the audience. Um, and Ryan and I were positioned fairly far back in the theater and had no problem hearing him despite... Um, him not even being well mic'd up, so that was that was impressive. And big ups to him for not getting not getting too thrown by that, because really held his own. Skimbleshanks was a probably the most fun song to watch in the whole show. There was a ton of choreography, so. and they made a train. I I don't. It was like two wagon wheels and two broomsticks or something. But they looked. It made they made a train, and that's what's important. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Such a power move. Yeah, it was to, so cool. To have technical failure and just bust that uh, out. Oh, just he just did it. You know why? <laughs> you like, know oh, why? Because he's motherfucking Skimbleshanks, and that show's gonna uh, run on time. Gonna run on time. <laughs> he lived up to his name. And then the third one was, um, I believe it'd be pronounced Sarai Harding, um, and she was Grizabella, and she just had a very, very, very good voice. Oh. Um, it broke I, my heart. Yeah, Memory is a song that can have a lot of power and emotion behind it, if done correctly, but if you just don't have it, you just don't have it, and she had it, in my opinion. Oh, I, she she had really did a phenomenal job. Uh, she hit a hell of a note when she, you know, touch me! Um, really crushed it. Um, far better than I just did, which was... No, no, I'm sure you did I, great, Brian! Uh, I wasn't trying to be her, but she did a great right. job. I think uh, someone's auditioning for Cats on this show. <laughs> this is your backdoor audition, Brian? Here's the thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm comfortable here observing. Um, but those three stood out to me um, to the point that I could still Hudson. I could still remember them and pick them out of the playbill. So, um, yeah, those those are my big standout performances. Oh man, and this has only heightened my excitement for the theatrical cinematic experience that'll happen in December. Oh man, I want to see I, I want to see Sir Ian McKellen. <laughs> Dame Judy Dinch, the Idris Elba, the the Taylor Swift, the Rebel Wilson, the James Corden, and the Jennifer Hudson. The the, the Jennifer, Jennifer Hudson. Hudson. The Jennifer Hudson. And I gotta I I I gotta say, because there's a lot of movies coming out this Christmas, I'm sure. Including but not limited to Star Wars Episode 9, the uh, Skywalker's in the name somewhere. Rise Star Wars Skywalker. episode <laughs> Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. The the climactic end to a nine film saga. <laughs> uh, a, the follow up to two films that I've 
really liked um yeah. that that and and uh, the 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 ultimate end of a gigantic multi-billion dollar trilogy and let me tell you that shit's gotta wait <laughs> because <laughs> i gotta see cats first it's so much more interesting oh, this yeah. incredible you know, to borrow a phrase from my favorite podcast, this blank check from Tom Hooper, a madman who who made the the King's Speech, uh, you know, a good movie. Uh, Les Mis, a good movie. Uh, the Danish Girl, a war crime. Um, and and now he is taking the legions of Oscars that have been thrown at his head, the millions of dollars that audiences worldwide have spent on his films. And he is adapting a singularly bizarre piece of pop culture for the screen. You gotta be there. Kudos. You there's, you have to see it. Yeah, there's going to be such a difference. The the experience of seeing the uh, so the difference between the experiences of cats in theater versus cats alone at home and star wars in theater versus star wars alone at home i just think that the difference between those experiences is that you will lose so much more watching not watching cats in theaters than you would not watching star wars in theaters if you had to choose one i think that you could go home and watch star wars and you would be totally content but i don't think cats will hit the same as it will if you go see it, you know, December 20th or 21st or whatever shortly after. Um, Christmas Day, sir. Christmas Day, whatever whatever day you choose to see it shortly after release. That, the, losing that experience of seeing it in theaters, I think should be a, like, everyone should, everyone who's, you know, even je- like mildly interested in this, unironically, should be seeing it in theaters because you will lose too much not doing so. I agree. You know, and I, 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 there to be with an excited, anticipatory crowd on December twentieth, or even nay, December nineteenth at midnight. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to to be it. to be a part of that group. I think that you've done the Star Wars screening before. You've done the Avengers screenings before. I don't think you will ever quite experience something like those opening weekend crowds for Tom Hooper's Cats. And that is is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's... It's just it's just unique in in the purest definition of that. Like there isn't anything like it at all. I'm just excited to see Rebel Wilson as a cat. <laughs> and that's okay. She... Okay. <laughs> you loved her in Jojo Rabbit. Now see Rebel Wilson as a cat. A <laughs> cat. This holiday season. See Rebel Wilson as a cat. As a cat. He was a magician, able to summon cats from nothing. Then they <laughs> stole his idol. Now the magical Mr. Mustafelis is on a path for revenge that will take him all the way to Macavity's lair. 
see Cats in Theaters December oh, already, 20th. I know, I know we didn't talk about it here, but we've already discussed that McCavity and Mistopheles are in together, and that... Yes, along with Old Deuteronomy, <laughs> they're in on it together. They each have their own mythical status they each need to upkeep. What better way than McCavity to uh, kidnap Old Deuteronomy and to be brought back by Mr. Mephistopheles? It's all, Jeez. they're all in on each other. It's all just one shadowy cabal of cats. I, I, you know what? I apologize for that opinion before, but I stand by it now. McCavity did nothing wrong. <sighs> he did, they was, <laughs> Old Deuteronomy was an inside job. Yes. <laughs> He was aware of all of it. Imagine if we spent 30 minutes talking about this again instead of Pokemon. <laughs> right, that was it. Just replace my my angry spiels about Pokemon fans or uh, movies about trains. Just, like, sub that out and in your head think about uh, talking for 30 minutes about how the kidnapping of old Deuteronomy is an inside job. And you basically got the recording we did before. That's yeah, it. That was, you, that it's it. essentially... <laughs> The same thing. Yes. Yes. I love it. And we've reached uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time, which means it's time for plugs. Uh, you you boys, uh, anything that you would like to tell the good uh, listeners to podcasts about, the, the, the stage is yours, the spotlight is shining, and this is your... Uh, I can go. Uh, I've got not much to plug, but sometimes I tweet funny things. Most of my tweets have been ending in hashtag cats movie December 20th recently. Um, so my Twitter is at BLT Sammy. And then uh, my Instagram, which uh, I post pictures of my nails and sometimes the cosplay I'm working on, is at BT Lanigan 3. So um, uh, you can go give me a follow if you want. Brian has a much better social media presence than I do. If you want to find me, Google exists. But if I could offer up a, a follow, a plug, uh, follow my friend's cat, Harold. It is at, oh. at time underscore Harold. Yeah. Um, you'd be glad you did. <laughs> yeah, everyone, I'll link to it in the show oh, notes. And Stop nothing by wrong, the, the comment, the the. The words beneath this episode, and you'll find a link to McCavity did nothing wrong. Yeah, like, comment, subscribe, link in the doobly-doo. Uh, like, check share, out my subscribe. merch. You know. uh, I don't have merch. I, 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 I don't have merch. Yeah, everything's going to be on there. Uh, listen, uh, subscribe to tvskevin.substack.com. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's how you'll get all the fiction that I'm putting out into the world. Uh, Patreon.com slash tvskevin is, of course, still the best way to support uh, this universe of shit that I'm working on. Uh, listen to the other shows in the Talkback Podcast family, uh, the Puffin Publishing Podcast, an improv comedy show, and Jan, uh, Jive Action Nerds, uh, where you can uh, listen to us play tabletop RPG shows. Uh, listen, read my uh, short stories, The Cola Wars, about the bloody conflict between Coke and Pepsi. Uh, a new story went up uh, November 17th, so you can read that. Uh, it's about uh, two bisexuals defending a bell tower against an invading army. Uh, everyone check it out. Uh, and until next week when someone else is on to talk about cats, uh, this has been Podcats, the pod about cats. <laughs> McCavity did nothing wrong. We gotta wrap some Pokemon. You just do the singing. I'll take care of the hard part. Let's get it on. I want to be the best that ever was to be. 